Well, let's begin our reading this evening in Genesis chapter 26, and we'll read verses 34 and 35. Genesis 26 and verses 34 and 35. Chapter 26, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah were people of faith, as we have learned. Not perfect individuals, but a faith that continues to grow and to mature as they go through the different experiences of life. But their son Esau was a carnal man, and it caused his mother and father enormous grief for many different reasons, and his marriage to these Canaanite women was just one more, because with the marriage to these Canaanite women also came their their influence to idolatry uh, on Esau. And so this was a grief to Isaac and Rebekah, who had trusted Jehovah. The flesh is always attracted to the pleasures of the world, just as Esau was. And the flesh seeks what satisfies quickly and easily. And the Canaanite wives, they were handy. They were quick. It looked like this is... This is the best choice. And that's the way Esau lived. When he was hungry, he sold his birthright just to get a bowl of lentils. He was very impetuous. He never stopped to think what the will of the Lord was. He just wanted to satisfy as quickly as possible the lust of his own desires. And so we see that again with his choice of wives as well. Of course, there's a very practical lesson. We kind of touched on this Sunday, but let's go back and read 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18, to understand that there is a a lesson that applies to us in this church age and to us as believers to understand that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Esau became unequally yoked with these Canaanite idolaters. He was raised in a family that feared Jehovah and uh, had seen the reality of what faith in Jehovah could do, miracle after miracle in their family. And yet Esau quickly abandons that as he identifies himself with these Canaanite idolaters. But in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, we're told as believers in Jesus Christ not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." familiar words, but we need to understand the the value of them. We are the temple of the living God. We are different than the world. God values us. Our life matters because it reflects directly on our Heavenly Father. It reflects directly on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And so who we associate with, how we conduct ourselves, it, it matters. And specifically in this area of marriage, it's one that we should take seriously. Christians shouldn't even date an unbeliever. Now, we know the reality of God's grace 
where Christians have ignored this, and yet God has miraculously brought their spouse to salvation and even to a life of godliness. And we thank God for those examples of God's grace. But that's not his pattern for us. It's better to let God rule in our lives than to make him overrule us. And sometimes that overruling comes with correction. It comes with scars. It's better just to yield ourselves to his will, seek his will, and then surrender ourselves to it. It says that Isaac and Rebekah were grieved. Sin always brings grief. Carnality brings grief not only to you, but to those around you. God has given us some loving instructions for every area of our life. And when we ignore those, there are consequences. The reason he gives us instructions is because he loves us, just like a good parent does to their children. We give them instructions to help them succeed. And God, our Father, does the same thing for us. But we need to heed those if we're going to enter into the blessings of obedience. There's also a broader lesson that goes far beyond just marriage. Just in general, being attracted to the world and its ways is something that will bring grief to God's people. Let's go to 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. 1 John chapter 2, and beginning at verse 15. These are familiar words, but we need to, to stop, and that's one opportunity we have when we gather together in a Bible study, when we put aside everything else that we're doing, we're this, this life is so busy, the society we live in is busy, and there are things that take our energy and take our mind, but to come in a time like this, or in your private devotions as well, just to contemplate what God has said to you in his word. The Almighty, the Almighty God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me through his word. We need to approach the Bible with that kind of awe, with that kind of appreciation, and so he says in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love them. Don't make them your focus of what makes you happy. It gives you peace and satisfaction. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That love is not being active. It's, it's not doing what, what God intends for it to do. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Again, familiar words, but doing the will of God is what's going to have eternal dividends. The blessings from doing the will of God, they start right now. I mean, there's, there's blessings for doing what's right in God's sight right now. But the best is yet to come. And the consequences of disobeying the will of God, ignoring the will of God, or rebelling against the will of God. And there's so many ways that we can not do the will. There's the open rebellion. Well, I know what God says, and I don't care. Well, that's open rebellion. And then there's just being negligent, not taking the time to consider what the will of God is. It's not so much that you don't care or don't, don't want to do it. You just don't take time to find out what it is. That's negligence, and it leads to the same loss, to the same grief. But what we do in the will of God is forever, and that's the kind of value that we need to put on his word. It has eternal riches in it. May we fall in love with the Lord, not the world, 
but the Lord in his ways. That doesn't mean that we don't benefit from the material blessings of the world. doesn't mean that we can't have them or even enjoy them. As we look at Abraham and Isaac in their lives, God blessed them materially. These men were rich. They were influential in society. That in and of itself is not sin. And in their case, it was the blessing of God. God can bless us that way. But we always need to remember that the blessing comes from him. And he blesses us that we might serve him, that we might honor him, that we might bring him glory. So we don't love the things that he gives us. We love the one who has given us so much spiritually, physically, materially, eternally. And then when we lose those things in this life, if that be the will of God to to lose our health, to lose our wealth, to lose the things that he once blessed us with, because we understand that he's dealing with us with eternity in mind, those riches will never fail. The failing economy won't affect our eternal riches when we lay up treasures in heaven by doing the will of God. That will be forever. And so even when we lose some things in this life that we once enjoyed that were the blessings of God, we can continue to rejoice. Sometimes it's in the midst of our tears, but we can continue to rejoice. I have eternal life. I will spend eternity in the presence of the eternal God who I can call my father. May we fall in love with him. In Proverbs 10, verse 22, let's read this proverb. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22, disobeying the will of God brings grief. But here we read in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, we have to understand that in the context of all of the Scripture. The things of this world that are contrary to the will of God, they promise joy, peace, and prosperity, and happiness, but it's a lie. It'll bring grief instead of those things. But when we do the will of God, those blessings will bring eternal joy. Now, that doesn't mean that in the will of God you won't have sorrow. We know that the Bible teaches us that those that will live godly, will suffer persecution. We know that people in the will of God suffer physically, emotionally, in many ways where the enemy may attack, or that God allows in order to work something eternal in us. But even those sorrows, those tribulations that we experience in the will of God, it will produce eternal joy. And so it adds no sorrow. The sorrow that we feel in in life, it's passing. And it cannot overrule or annul the joy of the Lord that we have because we know who we are in Christ. When we believe God's word is true, that it is the best way, when we trust his way and not ours, it'll lead to his blessing that will never bring lasting sorrow. Now let's go to chapter 27. And we probably won't have any more time than to read this passage. We have to read the full context before we can begin to consider some of the lessons that are found here. We're going to read all 46 verses of Genesis 27 and the first five verses of chapter 28 so that we get the the story in context. And then, Lord willing, in our next lesson, we'll probably consider many of the lessons that are found here. This is an interesting account here. 
And I think there are many lessons for us. Let's read Genesis chapter 27, and we'll read verses 1 through 46, the entire chapter. Genesis 27, beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass, when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here am I. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have none just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son. And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may fill you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felled him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him, and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, 
and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit, and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has surplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth, if Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Let's also read the first five verses of Genesis 28. Genesis 28, 1 through 5. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. 
and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. This really is a, a sad passage of Scripture when you just read through it like that. But I think we can learn some lessons from this passage on many different levels. And well, let's begin with the lessons that we can learn from Isaac's actions and his attitudes in this passage. We, we often talk about the temptations and the dangers uh, that young people face in life, and they face many. But in this case, I think we can learn some of us older ones. There's quite a few of us here. I think there's some lessons we can learn as we get older and important lessons. Isaac clearly is a man of faith, and he willingly laid down his life and was willing to let his father slay him without any record of resistance on his part because he trusted not only his father, but he trusted his father's God. And that took faith as a young man. And there are many other examples that we have looked at Isaac's faith as it continues to grow. He trusted God to protect him and provide food for his family in a famine. And there's just so many examples that Isaac was a man of faith all through his, his life. And he's still a man of faith, even at this, at this point, and we'll see where that faith continues to show itself uh, as we continue here. But in this case, he became complacent. He was older. He was near death. He, he knew that his death was near. And he fell into a trap that many older ones fall into, and that is we become comfortable. And he was prosperous. God had prospered him. And he... He longed for this last meal. He enjoyed, clearly, he enjoyed his food. And he enjoyed what his carnal son, Esau, could provide, just naturally speaking. Now, he didn't approve of all that his son, Esau, did. But, but in, this, in this area, Esau was the one that he favored. And he enjoyed what he could provide for him. God had already revealed both to Rebekah and to Isaac that Jacob was to inherit not only the birthright, but the blessings that come with that birthright. We can turn back to Genesis twenty-five, twenty-three, just to remind us that God had already made it clear that he had chosen Jacob over Esau. And yet clearly in Isaac's old age, he fully intended to bless Esau with the blessing that God said belonged to Jacob. And so in Genesis twenty-five twenty-three, we remember, and the Lord said to her, to Rebekah, when she was pregnant with these twins, and they were fighting in her womb, God said, two nations are in your womb, two people shall be separated from your body, one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And that was part of God's blessing, that through Isaac was given to Jacob through deceit, but it was always intended for Jacob. And yet Isaac fully intended to give that blessing to Esau. Isaac thinking he was soon to die, although he apparently still had good appetite. <laughs> he thought having a good meal that, that that was more important than doing the will of God, blessing Jacob, the younger one, so that the older would serve the younger. But he thought a good meal was better than that. In that moment, again, 
I believe his faith faltered in that moment. Esau could hunt and cook for him, and he was going to bless him despite God's revealed will. And I've often seen in my my years, and hopefully I learn the lessons as I get into that next stage in my life, I've often seen men and women of faith grow older and fall into this same trap of living by sentiment, by feeling, by being living with sentiment toward places or people or things, that those things, those people, those places become more important than doing the will of God today. They've lived their life, and many I've seen many that were so faithful over the years that as they got older, they slipped into that comfort zone where the things that they loved before, even in connection with doing the will of God, those feelings and sentiments become more important than what's the will of God today? The will of God for Isaac in this moment was to bless Jacob with this blessing. Now, again, that's ultimately what happened because what? God overruled. That was God's plan and purpose, and his will will be done, even if he has to overrule the intentions, sometimes the good intentions, and sometimes even the bad intentions of men. God's will will be done. But Isaac, as a man of faith, he should have put more value on doing the will of God than in having a good meal. And so, again, this is something as we get older, and as long as we have breath, we are to be dependent on the Lord today, not to live on past experiences. We thank God for those past experiences. They, they are a, a solid foundation for us on which to build our life today. So we, we remember, we're told all through Scripture to remember God's blessing in the past but only as a foundation to stand upon to do the will of God today. And so as we get older, may, may we remember that and realize as long as we have breath, we are still learning. That's one thing I always appreciate about Brother Harrelson. Until his dying breath, he wanted to know more of the Scripture, more of the will of God. He was a student of the Bible till his last breath. That's the kind of faith that we need to imitate. The result of Isaac falling into this trap of valuing a good meal more than doing the will of God, it, it's, it's the same as, as we see in every case. When we fail to do the will of God, it leads to confusion, disunity, sorrow, and heartache. It happened in the family of Isaac. It happens in the family of God when we fail to seek the Lord today. So may we be careful as we grow older not to grow lazy in our faith, not to be complacent, thinking we're comfortable, we're going home soon. Serve the Lord today. What does he want you to do today? Trust him to provide what you need today. We'll close there tonight. I, I, we'll find out quickly that I believe Isaac repented of his faltering in this moment and that he returns to a life of faith in his old age. And we'll look at that, Lord willing, in our next lesson.